It's Monday, March 23rd, 2020, and you're listening to episode 542 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Writing time for this episode is one hour and three minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. And this is Brodor. Before we get into the show's main topic, which is actually about some things that Brodor and I saw at an industry convention this past week, I've got two announcements that I want to pass along. One good, one not so good. We'll start with the not so good one that we made the unfortunate decision that we are going to have to cancel Fear the Con 2020. And the reason for that is because we don't know when this is going to die down. We know that there are a lot of you that may work hourly jobs and may not you know, be able to save the amount of money you want or need. We also know that travel plans require time to cancel. You have to ask for time off ahead of time. And so we talked about it and we thought that maybe we could get away with kind of running it down to the wire and making like a just call like two weeks out. But that really isn't fair to you guys in many ways. So what we are going to do is Fear the Con 2020 is canceled, but we are going to take the Kickstarter money that we raised this year and every penny and dime of it is going to pre-funding Fear the Con 2021. So I'm still getting a con. I just have to wait a year. Yeah, obviously that's not something we wanted to do, but we don't control, obviously. I mean, forget COVID. Forget the the disease itself, which uh, there's a lot of debate on exactly how dangerous it is or isn't. And we're not epidemiologists. I'm not interested in weighing in on that. But the part that we certainly can accept at face value is that St. Louis County has put limits on gatherings. They will not allow more than 50 people in one place at one time. They are talking about taking that down to 10. We know that flights are getting canceled. We know that events are getting called off. We know that some of you work hourly jobs and you're going to be hitting the wall during these self-imposed quarantines and so we didn't feel any confidence that we were going to be able to pull this off and if we did it was going to be so last minute so confused so slapdash that it was going to be just a terrible experience for you guys and an embarrassment to us so once again we are still having the combo we're doing is we're just paying the money forward and it is all going toward funding fear the con 2021 as of right now I apologize for the change in so far as I'm sorry it's happening, but obviously there's not much we have in terms of control over this. Right. Uh, now, several of the hosts are talking about setting up an online con to still happen that weekend where we can try and, you know, still hang out with you guys, see which of these Kickstarter rewards we can get fulfilled before 2021, et cetera, et cetera. So we're going to be doing a lot of thinking. You're going to be hearing a lot of outreach from us in terms of what we're contemplating as this goes. Right. Well, I can't say for certain, but I very much would like to try to get my Kickstarter backer game and honor at least that game for those attendees. Yeah. Whether we did it via Discord or Skype or whatever, well, that makes sense. That's something that I need to find out is, you know, out of fairness to them, do the backers want to do it that way or they'd rather wait till 2021? Right. You know, so I mean, there's like so there's a lot we have to work out. We've planned about as well for this as anyone that carries toilet paper. So <laughs> <laughs> because a a con destroying disease or at least cultural moment, if you're not 
uh, all that impressed by the disease was never in the cards. But we are actually, we got a whole lot to say on the topics of cons and diseases because, whoo, it's been an interesting week. But before we get to that, one other thing, which is, Broder, I want you to talk about what you've got going on and what you're going to be doing so you can visit goinfo.org. That's my new website for the Influence Foundation. The Influence Foundation is a shadowy conspiratorial organization who pays me a monthly stipend to put their information on my business cards and on my website. Ultimately, though, goinfo.org is going to be digital media for analog gaming. And so I've quit my job with Miniature Market and I started my own website. I'm going to do long form podcast interviewing and basically blog style reviewing for stores, conventions and game designers, publishers, distributors, pretty much anybody who will sit down with me in the industry who has made the terrible mistake of making their mistress their wife, someone who loves the gaming hobby who also does the gaming hobby professionally and how you balance those two things. And so that podcast on goinfo.org is going to be called why we game. And if you're curious, you want kind of a quick summary of what separates what he's doing over there with what all of us will be continuing to do at fear the boot. Whenever you look at a podcast, there are two false dichotomies you have to answer. And I recognize these are, you know, false dichotomies or false dilemmas, but if you can't answer them, then you, can, you probably don't know where exactly where you're at. But the first one is, are you making a show that is primarily meant to talk about the industry or primarily meant to talk about the desires and needs of the gamer, the ultimate end consumer? Wow. See, now here's here's the interesting thing is that if I was interviewing you, my show's about Dan Repperger. Right. That's what my show's about. This episode, it's about Dan. It's about Dan's history. It's about why Dan games. It's about how Dan got into gaming. It's about how Dan makes money gaming or how gaming influences his life, not just personally, right. but financially. Right. Whereas on Fear the Boot, we talk more to people that are playing the game, throwing the dice, you know, you guys at home saying, hey, this is how we think you might be able to make a good character or get some good mileage out of a scenario idea or something like that. The other question that you have to answer is, are you primarily media or entertainment? Are you news or are you just there for fun? Fear the boot. I mean, yes, we do deliver some news, which is actually what we're going to do today. But we do predominantly deliver entertainment. Yes. Whereas, bro, what you're talking about is going to be a lot of inside baseball. It'll be gonzo journalism. Yeah. I mean, that that really that really is the idea. And I, I certainly you know don't deserve to use that term. But that's the idea is that I'm just going to be unabashedly me. In fact, once audio gets up from the Gamma Expo, you'll be able to listen to me getting stingers from different people in the industry, essentially pitching themselves. And it'll give you an idea of how I speak to people, how I'm going to talk to them in the interview process and how I'm still going to be unabashedly me. Yeah. So if you want to keep up with all this, obviously Fear the Boot's not going anywhere. So good old feartheboot.com. If you want to also follow Broder on his new stuff, look for that. It's a real easy website, goinfo.org. Yeah. And we will put a link to that in the show notes so you can find it. So last week, Dan and I were in Reno, Nevada for the Gamma Expo, the Game Manufacturers Association 
Expo or what used to be called GTS, the Gamma Trade Show. And essentially, it's an insider show that is industry only. So essentially, if you are a fan, just a consumer, a grognard, right? If you're just some obnoxious neckbeard sitting in your basement or your car listening to this, you are not allowed to go to the show. You had to be an obnoxious neckbeard who got their press yeah, credentials. You have to be a credentialed obnoxious you, fat beard. You have to be <laughs> a credentialed obnoxious neckbeard, which brings Brodor is. But coincidentally, Mr. Rapperger is also credentialed press. And even though he has a very, very fetching beard, he is not a neck beard. Right? No, no. I have my neck. Well, it's kind of got five o'clock shadow right yeah. now. But otherwise, it's, yeah, it's cleanly. Yeah, so so Dan and I just, I just quit my fucking job. And Dan and I decided that we were going to go to Vegas and that we were going to do what we can to learn about what's going on in the industry and flex our press muscles. Yeah. So explain the credentials a little bit more. You can be credentialed for any number of reasons. You can be credentialed because you're someone who participates in the creation of games. You're an author. You're an artist. You could be a publisher. You could be a distributor. You could be a retailer. And then probably farthest out from the center of the industry, they do also credential press. You can join Gamma as a fan, as a hobbyist. You just can't buy a ticket to the show. Right. You cannot get into the Gamma show. And so Broder and I both have Gamma memberships as press, and then we got Gamma Expo tickets as press. The way that Gamma usually works, and the fact that it didn't work this way is that's the big news we've got for you. And I'm speaking in generalities here. I realize everyone's business model is a bit different, but it seems to go in about these, let's say maybe eight month cycles where You start the season, the product season, in February or March with Gamma, which is done intentionally before the other cons. Because as a former retailer, I would go to the show, I would meet with my distributors and talk about upcoming products. I would go to a variety of seminars over the course of the four days of the show, Monday through Thursday, and I would see different products. But more importantly, I would go to the exhibit hall during those two crucial exhibit hall days, and I would meet people who aren't in distribution and see products that aren't out yet that may not be out or may have been, I'm getting ready to go to Kickstarter, but I want to see if this is something viable that I could also get into distribution. Yeah, people who aren't currently employed, maybe swapping resumes around or swapping portfolios around. Oh, and it's a, it's a small industry. I mean, I don't want to ruin my reputation by calling it incestuous, but it's incestuous. No, oh, it absolutely yeah. is. I think anyone who doesn't say that, I mean, maybe they choose a plight or synonym, but it would mean the same thing. I mean, yeah, it is a small industry industry. Anyone who's worked for one company has probably worked for multiple companies. Yeah, people get around quite a bit. So once again, this is usually what happens is at this con, people come in, they make their business connections, they show off their new products, oftentimes very incomplete. They hang out with each other, they get some feedback, they make some deals, and then that gets them ready to go back and do the last minute polish before the con season yeah, you occurs. Go, you go to a brothel of good Yelp review, but not famous world-renowned reputation, and you see people that you know work for these game companies, but you keep your mouth shut. Okay. And also, <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Yes, we'll go with that. Sources inside the foundation have told me that this may or may not be true. Yeah, they're everywhere. Yeah, they, they are everywhere. 
I'm supposed to say we're everywhere. We're, or we are everywhere because technically, since well, I'm well, but panel, I'm not. I'm not one of the we. So I just said they're everywhere. You're not. I don't okay. know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe you don't know. Maybe this all is... I know is there's some photos on your phone that I need to get access to. Oh yes. <laughs> I was a bad man. Oh, dude, it's so good. You are a source inside the foundation, Dan. <laughs> so as the con season goes on, so you enter into the con proper now, let's call it. So you start to have some of the earlier cons and you work through all the big ones. So you get Origins, Dragon Con, Emerald City Comic Con, The Comic Con, Gen Con, of course. You know, all, all these conventions, Adepticon, our Sphere of the Con, you know, whatever that go on throughout the year. And there is a reality of the game market, which is the fact that when was the last time you saw a television or radio ad for an RPG? Outside of maybe D&D, I would wager you haven't. Right. And in D&D's defense, it wasn't even a proper commercial. It was before the time of cartoons, you know, TMNT, Mask, G.I. Joe. It was before the 22-minute commercial to sell toys because this wasn't selling D D the rpg oh, i mean even more recently yeah. i think i think i've seen ads for no really yeah wow. not 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 many but yeah. i think i've seen a couple ads for D D even more like in recent years but that is the primary marketing aspect of these game companies because they rely on a tradition okay so gaming is a tradition i game And I teach that tradition to other people who teach it to other people who teach it to other people. That's how gaming works. Yeah, there's an anthropological name for this, but Dan doesn't remember what it is. No, I never can. (laughs) It's not an oral tradition. It's a something else tradition. But when you go to these cons, they put up big banners to catch your eye. They put the physical product right in front of you because, look, tabletop gamers, we are tactile creatures. If we weren't, we'd be playing video games all the time. You you pick up that box. You can pick up that mini. You can look at the book. You can look at the artwork. You can say, hey, this looks cool, and you buy it. But it's not just what you buy. What you buy, you then take home and run for your group. What you see, a lot of people are going to take pictures of or talk about, and it's going to be on Twitter and Reddit and RPGNet and EN World or podcasts like ours are going to talk about you know what we saw what we thought was cool or whatever it may be and that creates this word of mouth or this momentum that pushes these games through the big sales season which is the mid to later con season now some of this does not appear at the retail side or you were saying until sometimes about holidays or even the following year at tax refund time but that's because people didn't have the money, but they probably already knew what they wanted to buy. So let's talk about what happened at Gamma and why this may not be true for 2020. I don't know where to start. I mean, the thing that was really, really surprising to me initially was that Wizards of the Coast, that the Watsis didn't show up, right? That they weren't there. Now, I glibly made a joke to my love Dom that, you know, I was really, really upset by the fact that there, that Watsi wasn't here because their insightful deep dive seminars I wouldn't be able to attend. Now, with that said, I have been to Gamma many times. I have been to many Wizards of the Coast seminar seminars, excuse me. I don't recall one of them being valuable, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Did I tell you about the time I was on a panel with Mike Merles? No. So this is years ago. Do they they hid information? They they told the audience absolutely fucking nothing. He didn't even come up. Oh Jesus Christ! So it was supposed to be this panel with me, John, maybe one other person. I I don't remember, and Mike Merles. 
And John and I are sitting there. Right, so for the audience that doesn't know, who is Mike Merles? Uh, Mike Merles is a, uh, he's, I believe he's a writer and designer for D&D. He's, he's been around a right. bit. But so we're sitting there and we're like, wow, you know, we're waiting on him, waiting on him. He doesn't show. I guess like, well, I guess we'll get started. So John and I just kind of ran the panel. And this was relative. Best Watsy panel ever, I bet. Oh, I came to find out that he did come in. He was one of the audience members sitting in the back. Mm-hmm. He never bothered to go. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's amazing. That's absolutely. But so Watsy doesn't show up, right? Yeah. So it wasn't just Watsy. No. When, when we show up, the entire con booklet had, you know, map of the dealer's hall, blah, blah, blah. But it also had a one page insert of all the cancellations. And here's why Watsy not showing up was important to me. The conspiracy, right? There is a conspiracy going on in the gaming industry right now. The Influence Foundation sources haven't given me everything, and I'm not ready to break this conspiracy. But Wizards of the Coast didn't show up. They didn't show up for three reasons. One, COVID-19. They were very, very concerned being from Seattle, and one of the hotbeds of the U.S. outbreak is, is Seattle, so they didn't want to come. Second of all, they don't need us. Wizards doesn't need you. You're going to sell D&D. You're going to sell Magic the Gathering. Your option is the one we've given you. Yes. You will carry your pro- our product. We don't need to be there. We don't need to spend the money. We don't need to do any sort of waste sending personnel out there, potentially getting them sick, potentially spreading COVID, but more importantly, obviously clearly wasting money, not going to provide you with any pertinent information. Fifth edition D&D release schedule is still very slow, very tight-lipped. You can predict the next magic set coming out, like you can predict the sun coming up tomorrow. So financially, we have no benefit for being there. There's no topical information that we need to disseminate. We don't want to get anybody sick. And you know what? People inside our corporation are already pushing us toward digital. Yeah, Magic Arena is a big, big deal. And what happens if COVID-19 destroys China and I can't produce cards anymore? I can still f***ing play Magic because I can still play Magic online. Yeah, I'm actually, I pulled up on my phone and if there's a little bit of ticking in the background, I apologize for that. The phones interfere with the mic sometimes, but I, I pulled up the list of cancellations that they had at print time which means there were probably ultimately more than this. Alliance Game Distributors, which I understand is a fairly big one. Alliance is a big deal. And Alliance is, even though, well, I won't get into it too much, but they're owned by the same people, persons, individuals, group that owns Diamond Comic Distributor, the only comic book distributor. Yeah, so I mean, it's a, it's a pretty big deal. Bard Games, Bushi Road, Cascade Games, slash Judge Academy, Crafty Games, Crystal Castle, Flying Frog Productions. Now, Judge Academy didn't show up because Watsy didn't show up, I suspect, but that's neither here nor there. GTS Distribution, Heo, this would be Hero, I don't know, Heo America, slash Ultimate Guard. Oh, Ultimate Guard. Yeah, they do card sleeves. Uh, yeah. IDW Games, Line Breaker slash Card Max, Lion Rampant Imports, Magazine Exchange, Max Protection, Micro Art Studio, Monster Protectors, Nord Games, Osprey Games, Pandasaurus. Osprey broke my heart because I love their sh- PSI, Renegade Game Studio, Sky Tier or Sky Terror, Southern Hobby so Distribution. It's, it's God Tier and Sky Tear. Sky Tear. They're, they're okay. two different games, yeah. Southern Hobby Distribution, Star City Games, Universal Distribution, Upper Deck, Teehee, 
Wizards <laughs> of the Coast and Wolf Lord games. That was once again just what they had at print time. And when we sat in the exhibitors hall, which is where these companies are showing their stuff, making their deals, whatever. Now, I, I want to stress that Gamma is smaller numerically and geographically than Gen Con is. Oh, by, but, by many factors. But its density is, I mean, yes, it is less than Gen Con, but it's usually not all that different. So what I mean is there may be a tenth as many people at Gamma as there is at Gen Con, but they're in a smaller area, and so it still appears to be roughly as crowded. And in the past years that I've been, you know, those halls were usually pretty busy. I mean, I won't say like San Diego Comic-Con busy. No, but snug. Yeah, but I mean, the last time I was at Vegas, this is in 2015 for my last Gamma, it was far, it was much more densely populated, much more heavily attended than yeah. this one. And I posted a picture online where I was sitting at a table in the middle of the main vertical and horizontal thoroughfares, like the right at the middle of the crossroads of the exhibitor hall. And it was just freaking, I mean, it was almost a ghost town. Yeah, no, that picture that I saw, I remember seeing that picture online. I don't remember if I responded to it or not, but it was very, very vacant. So with all the information we've given, here's what this year looks like. <laughs> now, I'm going to try and stick to what I know or feel fairly confident about predicting. Yeah, and see, this is why you have Dan on your podcast, or you get to be on Dan's podcast and pretend that it's yours is he's got a tremendous amount of knowledge and insight about the industry. Well, I appreciate that. I think it's honestly more just by virtue of having, you can't sit in water and not get wet, right? You can't do anything for 15 years, you know, and I'm talking about not gaming, but specifically press within gaming and not learn something. That explains my hepatitis. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you can't get in there and not get something. <laughs> uh, but, but there are some points where I'm going to, back off a bit and try to stress that this is speculation because I don't want to get in here and I don't want to be a fear monger or another chicken little media and entertainment's got enough of those right now. You don't need one more. Oh no. And there was plenty. I mean, the vibe at the show was yes. doom and gloom. And that's what I'm going to talk about is I want to focus on, like I said, if we speculate, we'll tell you it's speculation, but I want to focus on the things that I either directly observe Brodor directly observe, or we feel that we can reasonably state it is at least 75% likely this is how it's going to play out. All right. Number one is we already know the con season is cut off at the knees. This is not speculation. We know this. We also know that Watsi doesn't care because they're working on their own digital infrastructure. Sure. At least that's what sources inside the foundation tell me. But yeah, well, and one day, one day. Watsy's hubris will catch up with them, but it ain't going to be this year or next year. A lot of conventions have already been canceled. Even of those that have not been officially canceled yet, let me throw a few considerations at you. First of all, most places in the U.S. have limited gatherings down to the most generous I've heard is 1,000 people. Mm -hmm. The most limited I've heard is 10 people. Most cons are going to fall well above that number one of those two numbers okay fear the con is not a huge con even we do not fall that small we we are not 10 people okay and st louis is moving towards the lower end of that i believe we're at 50 right i think now, 50 is the number yeah but they're talking about pushing it down to 10 yeah i was by the miniature market this afternoon dropping off some business cards and i was talking to the staff there 
and their events, they've got 2,200 square feet. They can hold way more than 50 people for an event, and their events are limited to 50 people. So in addition to the cons getting canceled, the second problem they're going to have is the attendees are going to be more limited. A lot of people won't want to travel or will not have the money to travel because of lost income due to losing hours because they're having to be temporarily laid off from work or things like that. The distributors who create or the publishers who create these games, when I say publishers, I mean like the actual print houses that make these games, which are very heavily in places like East Asia. The distributors then who bring it in from Asia to the U.S., they're going to have their stuff blocked at the port. And by the way, when China last I saw is at roughly about 25% of its industrial output and the ports are being fairly well controlled on both sides, meaning both the China side and the U.S. side, they ain't going to put your little figs, much as we love them, at the top of that priority list. Oh, no, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. I mean, this could be devastating yes to the so, to the gaming industry and i'm not trying to be doom and gloom i'm just saying that as somebody whose career now is reporting on that it's fascinating and while i don't feel it's fair to name names because some of these were overheard conversations no, yeah, no, no, no. while we were sitting in restaurants eating during the con we were oftentimes back to back against a table that had game companies there and once again i am not going to be so cruel as to start explaining who they were and what they were saying but they were themselves. I mean, one of the things I heard was a group of individuals that write for a company sitting together and said, okay, guys, we're going to have to make some really hard decisions. And I think we need to start looking at, you know, who's still going to be here. Right. And they're at, and, and literally I'm, talking layoffs. Yeah, they're talking layoffs, yeah. not death. They're talking layoffs. So you look at a crippled con season. It's already crippled. The future cons that have not been shut down yet, if they occur at all, will occur with a crippled attendance and a crippled product lineup. And on top of that, let me throw in a third thought. Remember that these conventions, in many cases, you may be able to cancel your hotel reservation three days out. You may be able to cancel your plane, you know, airfare a week out, whatever. But if you're renting out hotel room blocks, if you're getting any money back, you don't do that two weeks in advance. You have to make those calls months in advance. I don't know this for sure. Alert here, speculation, but I would like good money. Gen Con right now is having pretty serious and furious conversations about whether Gen Con is going to occur, even though it's not until July. Yeah, no, people are losing sleep. Their stomachs are in knots. They're considering. And again, this is just speculation on my part, but I think that people in some of the some of the upper echelons are more worried than others. Now, I am of the opinion that Asmodee, Wizards of the Coast, and Games Workshop are three companies who are going to weather this storm better than everybody else. Though that's another thing that I talked to some people about, and none of them agreed to go on the record, so I won't name names again. But they shared with me two things. One, that doing some napkin math, okay, so this is maybe a little more than speculation, but this is not certainty, so take this as a possible outcome. But one of the things that they're looking at is given the fact that retailers tend to run on such fine lines, they won't be able to bring the people into the stores. Depending on the city, state, country, they may be forced to temporarily close their stores. They're estimating it's like a thousand-ish retailers shutting down. I mean, we could tack this problem from so many different angles, but let me just do it from understanding. So you're a fanboy. 
right? Fangirl, fan them, whatever, however you identify. You are a fan of this hobby. Sure. Right? You go to the game store and you want the game store to get you game A, but they don't have game A. It's not on the shelf. Can you guys order game A for me? Sure, I can order game A for you, but it's going to take a couple of weeks for game A to come in or I'm going to have to see which distributor has it in stock, whatever. So you go to the game store. The game store doesn't always have what you want. The game store doesn't always have what you want because the game store cannot afford to carry everything. Now, here's what the retailer doesn't understand that you, the consumer, don't understand about the retailer. The distributor can't afford to have as many copies of game A on hand just because Johnny comes into your FLGS and he wants a copy of this game. You can't just call up the distributor and get a copy of that game. They might not can have it, yeah. right? And then the retailer might get pissed off, call the publisher, and the publisher says, I've got tons of that in my warehouse. Here's the thing. You live paycheck to paycheck. So does your fucking retailer. So does your fucking retailer's distributor, right? All of these people are living on a wave of cash flow to get to the next wave. These people don't have huge bank accounts. They don't have a lot of money set aside for exactly this sort of thing. So what happens when you stop going to the game store and you're not buying the stuff that they do have in the game store? What happens when the game store is not buying what the distributor does have in their warehouse? What happens when the distributor's warehouse doesn't have any product in it because they're not buying product from the publisher? And that's assuming that the 10 dudes, because they're not using forklift, the 10 dudes that are lifting that pallet of games onto the shipping container actually aren't throwing up their guts and shitting themselves yeah. to put that game on your palate, not to mention all the steps that go in between for shipping and FedEx and UPS and everything else. And and that's where I think this would devolve into a lot of speculation and fear mongering, or maybe it's totally reasonable. I don't know, but because I don't know, I, I'd rather err on the side of caution, yeah. but all these things we're giving you, we're just talking about where things are at now None of this takes into account what happens if COVID actually really does go nutso and turn into the next Spanish flu or something like that. So here's what I want to do. If I can commandeer your show for here just a minute. If you know Jim McClure, if you know someone who knows Jim McClure, I want to buy Satanic Panic, the IP, everything. No, I'm not going to get you your Kickstarter, but I do want the game to get into production. Now, if I can't make that happen, I want to find out legally what of the game system I can use so I can have a COVID-19 apocalypse using Jim McClure's Satanic Panic. So everything, so think of Deadlands and Deadlands Hell on Earth, Satanic Panic and the COVID-19 apocalypse. That's the distinction. I want to write the Hell on Earth COVID apocalypse (laughs) and I want to use Jim's system. So if you have influence out there and you can get to Jim, So Jim will sit down and have a conversation with me. That's all I ask. So I did get a couple questions from people before I went down there. Oh, to ask at, oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw there was a Facebook thread. Yeah. People were hammering you with stuff. I I wish it had been more productive because the answer to your, a lot of your guys' questions is I don't know because the necessary parties weren't there. Right. So there were a couple of these though that, I can explain a little bit. Now, one of these, I can only tell you it's true, but I cannot name names or sources. I was asked very specifically to keep this off record. So Donald Deckert, 
He said he was curious about the wrangling in terms of licensing agreements and whatnot. So I went over and started asking around about the Aliens RPG and came to find out, because that was one of the few licensed properties I could find, because uh, once again, there's kind of an attendance issue, but they had a very bizarre story that apparently there's somebody that holds rights to a bunch of these kind of big IPs and they wanted it as a vanity project. They actually approached the game company and asked them to make an RPG, not the other way around. I realize that's completely backwards yeah, of that's how the, this normally goes. Right, because normally they're like, oh my God, your IP is so f***ing cool. We yeah. totally want to make this game. But let me write you a check. But this individual was saying to me that so-and-so else, yep. who is up a very, very different chain yeah. of and entertainment. I, 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 again, I cannot name the source, but I can corroborate this story. Yeah, because you were there Because I was standing it. right f***ing yeah. there. And he basically said that a person saw what they were doing with Dune and such got jealous and said, well, why don't we have a game for my stuff? Kick ass. And approached them and asked them to make the Aliens game. Right. Well, and the design on that game. I mean, you well, you can listen to my stinger talking to the guy, but the design on that game, it is delightful. It's a wonderful, wonderful game. This one came from Jeff Brodor. I know we overheard something on this, but can you help me with my memory here? Jeff was asking about what's going to happen. Well, what's happening to Fantasy Flight Games, which is they're apparently dying. But what is happening to Star Wars? Is somebody keeping the Star Wars Mummy Hieroglyphics Dice Edition and so, continuing to publish it under another name? So I don't, I don't know that full story. I, I have not, I have I not thought done. Thought somebody diligence. told me that. Now my understanding is, and again, this is just all industry scuttlebutt. I don't know how true it is, but the uh, idea was is that when Fantasy Flight basically shit canned excuse me when they made the strategic maneuver to suspend new content i don't know exactly what happened but basically they're not doing rpg stuff anymore like apparently everybody got laid off got cleaned out from the rpg yeah. divisions i from would, l5r and from i would swear the while i was down there somebody told me yeah. that they have moved the product to a, apparently somebody so, else has picked it up i don't know the answer to those questions here's what i do know there is with Asmo Day, there's a weird situation going on. So the main company Asmo Day in Europe, Scuttlebutt is, is that that company is shopping around, basically trying to get sold. They're trying to sell the company. So whoever owns it currently wants to get rid of it and wants to make some money for it. Now there's Asmo Day North America in conjunction with Asmo Day sort of flirting with the overall European market to get sold as a company. One of its subsidiaries, Asmodee North America, is continuing to buy up properties and continuing to buy up properties and continuing to buy up properties. Now, it's interesting to me, Wizards of the Coast doesn't bother showing up to the show. Not only does Asmodee, and they're the big three, right? I mean, they're the father, son of the Holy Ghost. Right. You've got Watsy, Asmodee, and you've got Games Workshop. They're the big, big three. They're the three that operate with impunity and the three that operate with a different level of of corporate professionalism and corporatization than any other company in the game industry. Now, right. Watsy doesn't show up. Not only does Watsy not show up, Asmodee shows up and they swing that big Asmodee around back and forth, that big Asmodee, <laughs> and they announce a partnership with ACD that they are ending their exclusive. So let's explain, what, what is ACD? ACD is a distributor. Okay. Right. So ACD is a game distributor. And right now, Asmodee North America owns a big portion of the board game industry. 
If you're going to carry board games, you're doing business with Asmodee, period. Or you're going to make do without a lot of significant and landmark evergreen titles, right? What Asmodee did, they were working with Alliance Game Distributor. They have an exclusive agreement that I believe ends in June. When that is over... Alliance didn't show up. Alliance didn't show up. Wasi didn't show up. Yeah. You know who showed up? Well, ACD showed up because they were being held up by... Asmodee. Now, one of two things is happening here. Asmodee North America ending their deal with Alliance and starting a new exclusive deal with ACD means that nothing has changed with Asmodee. They're just changing the distributor with which with whom they have exclusivity. However, what I think is going on is that they're basically doing a slow turnover. They're getting in bed with ACD to do a slow turnover to assimilate ACD and ACD's infrastructure for distribution. And if you want to carry Asmodee games, right now you have to go to Alliance. In a few months, you have to go to ACD. A few months after that, there is no ACD. You go to Asmodee and you abide by our rules. Now, this is not the first time a big manufacturer or a big publisher, I should say, correction, this is not the first time a big publisher in the comic and or game industry has tried to do their own thing. Marvel did it years ago and they shit the f***ing bed, right? So let's walk through this. If Let's pretend we're going to break this down to as many discrete actors as possible. Right. Now, I realize in many cases, one or more of these actors right. could be the same individual. Okay, but let's just try to describe the roles. So you have the game designer or the game writer who actually writes the game. Right. They then send it to a publisher, which would be like, let's say, Watts or yeah. something like that, who says, okay, we're going to pick this title up and we're going to get it made and put on shelves. Right. And let's just blue book, fast forward the process of game design to ready to go to print. Right, right. Because that's obviously a, right, a right. So I, I'm talking about actors here, not steps. So the game designer or the author writes the game, goes to a publisher. The publisher says, we're going to do this. The publisher then sends it to a printer or a manufacturer. Right. They, they take every bit of integrity that they have about loving America and loving the environment, and they roll over and they take one yeah. in the shitter so the Chinese can destroy everything and destroy the environment and treat people like human garbage and send you your fucking role-playing game that you still think is overpriced. Precisely. <laughs> and so they go to the printer. Right. The printer then... I, whether I don't know if they send it back to the publisher or not, but ultimately it gets from the printer, possibly with a brief stop through the publisher again, to the distributor who then has a master catalog that your FLGS, I'd assume even places like Amazon, I don't know, but they order from to basically say this is what we want on our shelves. Is that correct to your basic so, understanding? So far, so good. I okay. mean, there's a couple things that we could... We could nitpick. Yeah, we could nitpick, I, but yeah. I'm trying but, to simplify. But, but, but Johnny makes game. Watsy says game is great. Watsy sends game to China. China says, great, here's your game. Game goes back to a Watsy warehouse, and Watsy says, hey, Alliance, do you want to sell my game? And Alliance is like, yeah, I want to sell your game. And then the guy at the game store buys the game from Alliance. Okay. Yeah. So that's basically the setup there. And what we have in this case is if this goes where we think it is, the publisher and the distributor become the same company. Right. Because I called ACD and ACD doesn't have my game. I called Asmodee. Of course, Asmodee has my game in stock. They're just going to send it right to me. Yeah. So here's what happens. The only product that they have to worry about 
is Asmodee a product. Right. So let's say with comics, if Diamond doesn't have enough issues of Spider-Man in their warehouse for the comfort of Marvel, well, if Marvel just so happened to own Diamond, right. then it would, Spider-Man would always be there. There's always be, Spider-Man. be there in a glut. And, yeah. oh, by the way, they may just not carry quite so much in terms of DC products anymore. Right. Well, I mean, look at what Games Workshop does. Games Workshop is a wonderful design on this model. Games Workshop, basically, if you have an account with Games Workshop, you have to be one of their tiers. And they change it every so often. It's sort of like tax law. It is deliberately convoluted to confuse you and change with regularity to make sure that they're ahead of the game. But what they'll do, and I'm kidding, Games Workshop's great. I'm I'm shitting on them. It's not fair. But what they'll do is they'll say, you, retailer... You are tier A and you get these benefits for tier A, but you have to jump through the tier A hoops. Oh, you want to be tier B? Well, tier B has different hoops. Oh, and tier C has even greater hoops. And that we reserve for people that we've thoroughly, thoroughly vetted. And we trust you because that company more than anybody recognizes that you're their sales force. Games Workshop has some stuff and Watsy and Asmo Day and their wickedness are going to want to bring GW in and turn them to a trinity of darkness because in witchcraft, three is a sacred number and they need their third, <laughs> right? They need their third component in this equation. And I just pray that Games Workshop does not fall to their wickedness. So let's talk about what this means for the person sitting at home. Because once again, we don't know for sure how this year is going to play out. This year has already been really freaking weird. Right. In the course of just sitting there at Gamma, in right. the course of about four days, we saw the NBA shut down, MLB shut down, NHL shut down, MLS shut down. We started seeing all these major conventions getting shut down. I mean, all this stuff was flying around. So much changed. We watched the gatherings aloud in our own city, St. Louis. You know, go from there were no limits to it's a thousand to it's two fifty to now it's fifty and they're talking about moving it down to ten. I mean, so much freaking change. It's very hard to predict where it's all headed. But let me throw out a basic summary of what I see, what I think, and then throw out well, and, I, and then I'll broader. I want to hear if you agree with it or not, and then I want to talk about what I think this actually means for the hobby as we, the gamer, consume it. So my prediction. For what's going to happen this year is there's going to be a break in marketing for the lack of cons. There's going to be a lack of cash at the top. When I say top, I don't mean the big wigs. But I just mean the people that make the games because of the fact that there's going to be a lack of marketing in the middle and a lack of consumer dollars or even the opportunity to buy because the cons are shut down and the gaming shops are shut down at the bottom. And I think that by the time this sorts itself out, I think it will be too late to salvage much of the con season. Because once again, I believe that even the cons that aren't outright canceled, I believe will have to make decisions fairly early on whether they want to hang on to and risk what could be six or seven figure deposits, you know, especially if we're talking about things like SDCC or Gen Con. Do they want to risk losing those? Not knowing where things are going to be by, you know, June. no, you wait till the absolute last possible minute. And somebody tells you the last possible minute is April 13th. 
you wait until April 12th at 11.59. But the point is, these yeah. are not calls that Gen Con's going to make three days before the con. No, 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 They no, are no. going to have to make them in advance. And no, they have, a, they have a hard line that uh, I think it will be difficult to find out what that hard line is. Yes, I'm sure they have one. I'm sure yeah. they won't tell anyone. Yeah. And they were not there, at least knowing that I didn't see any of the Gen Con staff there. So the chance to get them drunk and get them to say things they weren't supposed to was not in the cards. But... Broder, do you agree with that take? What do you see so, happening so with I, the industry so I do, this year? I do agree with that take. I do. Now, I have some best case and some worst case scenario, but I agree with you. I think that it is going to be hurtful, but not detrimental. My concern is this, is that looking at the retail hobby industry, you have a number of stores that are successful only because they are a quote unquote card shop that they focus specifically on things like Magic the Gathering primarily, but they do other card games and are successful because they are card shops. Now, the thing that makes card games successful is community, right? Yeah. It is difficult to play most card games with the exception of Magic the Gathering without getting together in a group of people and playing. And tournament scenes, Friday Night Magic, organized play is something that Wizards of the Coast has been pushing for a long time. Even with Dungeons and Dragons, organized play is the thing that they do. They want you to have a regular night where people play Dungeons and Dragons Adventures League. That's going to be a problem. I mean, there was a time when I was at working at Miniature Market, we'd have 90 plus people in there playing Friday Night Magic between drafting format and the constructed format standard. You can't do that anymore. So what do you do? You have your two events, you cap them. You say, okay, we can have 50 people, 25 drafters and 25 standard players. And that's it. Well, and, oh, sorry guys who are playing 40 K tonight. You got to go. Well, sorry. What about the random shopper who comes in? Right. You're not so, allowed in here. So we're at 50. Yeah. It, I mean, especially in some of these places. I mean, this is we're recording on what? Uh, March 17th. Yeah. So we're recording this on March 17th. If you want a time frame for this. There are already places in the U.S. that have said they are now beginning police enforcement right. where they're going to walk in and head count. There's too many people. There's arrests. Yeah. Once again, I'm not going to comment on whether right. this is reasonable. It's just not the purview of, of at least what I want to do with this show. Broder wants to speculate on his show. That's You know uh, what? Out of respect for you and your show, I will keep that. I will not sully your episode yeah. with me well, condemning this lunacy. But the point is, it's happening. Okay. Right, right wrong, and different. This is a thing. This is that part is not me fear mongering. Yeah. You know, I can link you the news articles as of today where this is going on. Right. And so, yeah, I, I think there's definitely going to be some hard questions that have to be asked here. So what else do you think? So here's the other thing is that and I think that CVD one niner apocalypse is uh, is a good test bed for this. But why do I need my FLGS, Dan? I need my FLGS for a sense of community. Yeah. What if I'm not allowed to have my sense of community? What if I'm not allowed to go or something prevents me from going to my FLGS? Or you're paranoid or COVID actually does uptick I'm, and you decide it's too dangerous to go. So, so I don't go to my FLGS. Yeah. So what do I do? I guess I go to Board Game Geek and figure out what's cool. And I guess I go to Amazon to, oh, well, Amazon's shutting down. I can't get games from Amazon. Hopefully Miniature Market hasn't shut down. I can get games from them. Who's going to? Tell me which games are good. Where are my where are my alpha gamers? Where are my my tastemakers? Well, they're not at Gen Con because there isn't a Gen Con. So where am I going to get this information? Well, f that Rodney guy from Watch It Play is pretty great. 
I like his videos or Tom Vassell or Game Boy Geek or all the other people out there. So now I'm still engaged with the hobby because I'm still getting game reviews. I'm reading blogs. I'm talking to people. Kickstarter, it's a great way to go about it. Podcasts, a great way to get information. But here's the future I see. I see a future where Asmodee says, hey, we're going to kickstart this game. And you pay Asmodee for the Kickstarter. Only part that Asmodee doesn't control of that process yeah. is the production in China. That is something that freaking terrifies me. And I'm going to, this is pure editorial, but this is something that <laughs> I must actually enrages me a bit. Okay. Is this is why you listen, kids. I, I have, I, I have never had a problem with people going onto the Kickstarter to kickstart something that they cannot afford to make. I'm sitting at home, you know, I have got a, middle of the road job, got some money to play with. I, I can write a good game, but I ain't got the money to get professional art layout to actually make this product and sell it. And so I go on a uh, Kickstarter and I put it out there and, you know, people fund it, or maybe even I'm an existent company, but we want to try and do something newer and bigger. That's beyond the scope mm -hmm. of what we're capable of. But my fear, which will turn into anger. I'm not going to say if it happens, I'm going to say when, is that companies that have the perfect capacity to make this stuff all on their own are going to start crowding Kickstarter and pulling money away from great games that literally cannot afford to make it to market any other way because, number one, it's great marketing. Kickstarters have wonderful marketing built into them, especially if you know how to integrate marketing with Kickstarter, where you base certain stretch goals not off of the money, but off of media reach. Mm -hmm. Hey, if we get a thousand retweets of this, we'll do this, you know, or whatever. And secondly, the added benefit they get is even though they are a damned for-profit company. Now, I understand they're not rich. They're running on tight margins, depending on the company. But for the most part, they are for-profit companies are butting in on the space meant for the average Joe or the average Jane and saying, hey, why don't you, the consumer, take on all the risk for our corporate product? May I draw another red I mean, ima imagine if like McDonald's said, we're going to come out with the Big Mac version two. And not only do you have to buy it when you eat it, but we want you to pay for the kitchen work, the market research, the ch distribution change, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to even bring the sandwich to the stores. Okay. Two points. One. You already do that. When I am purchasing a product, when I buy this glass, mm -hmm. every aspect that you've already considered has already been calculated into the price of this glass. Whether I bought that glass from Walmart or Target or I bought this glass from Kickstarter, all of those costs have to get paid. All of the marketing, all of the design, sure. everything. It's all got to get paid. All that I'm doing is that I'm not taking a gamble to manufacture this glass. Or that's, that, that's the difference. Is It's right. not cost it's burden of risk right the two things once again it's not cost because you can look at the cost to not buy right it's one it's a burden of risk they're asking the consumer to take a burden of risk on a for-profit company's idea right and then two it's a crowding of the market where someone who cannot afford to bring a great game idea to market is crowded out because freaking Asmodee, for example, we don't yeah. know Asmodee is going yeah. to do this. No, 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 not so, at all. Once again, this is yeah, speculation. In, in, in everyone with whom I spoke that worked for Asmodee, 
was delightful. Yes. So, every, so everybody was great. Yeah. Everybody was super cool. I mean, I, I don't have anything but positive to say about their customers. We're just using stuff. them as an example. Yeah, they because were, they're a big boy. And they were one of the few big companies that showed. Yeah. I mean, Games Workshop was also there, I believe. But, yeah, which I had delightful experiences with yeah. GW but people, I mean, but that's a different I could story. talk about any of these. You know, I mean, but it's also they start to crowd the market and push out the little people. Right. I mean, we've already seen things like this happen. Look sure. at what happened with the Robotech uh, minis game. Right. A company that I'm not saying is just rolling in Scrooge McDuck money. But it's a for-profit company, pushed the risk off onto the consumer, took away available startup money from other projects. And because the consumer took all the risk, when it flopped, whoopsie-doopsie, I mean, that was it. So the only power, the absolute only power that these people have as the consumer is to say no. They can tell Asmodee, yeah. Simon, Watsi. Me, I mean, my living is literally going to be based on your paying me to talk and do editorial investigative journalism, whatever the f*** you want to call it. If you don't value my product, don't give me money. So, broader moment of real talk. You're absolutely correct that who needs to change this? Is the consumer. Is the consumer, yes. There needs to be a groundswell yeah. or, movement from or, the consumer that says we are only going to support X, Y, and Z. But... Here's why it's not going to happen. There are individuals that I fully believe are going to look at this for what it is, and they're not going to be part of it. There are other individuals who may look at it, understand exactly what it is, and decide that's what they want. And that's fine. I'm not here to tell you how to live. But let's take that middle category of person who does not feel morally or product committed to either direction they're just sort of making an off-the-cuff decision. These are the people knocking each other out over toilet paper right now. Yeah. And that's not a figure of speech. I've watched the video. You know, I've seen the store tapes of people literally punching each other unconscious over packages of toilet paper. That's who's making these. I mean, I've, I'm sorry. I'm losing faith in society right. daily. So let me go back to, and this will, I'll, I promise I'll, I'll make some linkage. But you were concerned about predatory and abusive behavior of Kickstarter mm -hmm. from large companies. If there's a company out there that had this reputation, it was cool mini or not, or Simon. They used to be come on, but now they go by Simon because, because come on sounds stupid and they say Simon, but the Simon guys, their seminars, I went to two different ones. So they went from come on to something that sounds kind of like Simon. Yeah. Okay. Go yeah. on. So I'm talking to them. Turns out they have a deal with Asmodee. Ah, uh, here so we go. The doesn't own them. Right. 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 But Asmodee does their distribution for them, which means right now Alliance does their distribution. And just like Procter Gamble doesn't technically own half the world or whatever. <laughs> right. So I'm at the seminar talking to the guys. You can listen to some of the bits or actually, no, you can't. Because anyway, the point being is that I'm in the seminar. I'm at the back of the room. I stand them. I'm like, uh, uh, yeah, the Brodor with uh, GoInfo.org. I've got a couple questions about uh, Asmodee does your distribution. So that means that ACD is going to be doing your distribution. Oh, uh, that's that's correct, Mike. Because, um, you know, the guy knew me. And because I was, oh, thank God he remembered me. Uh, it was delightful. Anyway, so we're kind of bantering back and forth. And I said, so uh, Asmodee has got a new deal with ACD. Asmodee has a deal with CMON. You've just spent the last few minutes talking how difficult it was for Simon to 
basically recover their reputation with the consumer because they had burned some bridges with folks with their constant kickstarting back and forth. And now they have all these great retailer levels and all this retailer outreach. And they really have this wonderful program where Simon wants you, the retailer, to carry their game. They recognize that sales figures wise, the vast majority of their sales are still coming through FLGS and not come. So they want you, the retailer, to have their game. They just want to use Kickstarter because they have a good model for it. And they're in bed with Asmo Day. Hmm. So Asmo Day is going to find a company that did it wrong, that's now doing it right, and they're going to buy a distributor. It's almost like Asmodee has put together a plan. How do we crack the nut with FLGS to get our games in stores? How do we crack the Kickstarter nut? How do we crack the distribution nut? Yeah. And how do we put all of these factors into an equation to be your one-stop shopping where we own Catan and there's a new Battlestar Galactica Catan that's coming out and it's on Kickstarter and you do your backer level. Hey, if you're a retailer, here's your retailer pledge level. But the tastemakers and the alpha gamers have already told us that this game is going to be a success. So you're definitely going to want to get in on this. Oh, and by the way, there's one f***ing place, Mr. Retailer, to buy this game and have this game mailed to you, Mrs. Retailer. And that's goddamn Asbo Day. That's us. That's it. You want Simon games? Asmo Day. You want Catan? Asmo Day. You want this game? Asmo Day. I mean, it's crazy, man. It's cra- just wait. Now, this is not true. This is complete fucking tinfoil hat conspiracy. But you wait till they buy Watsy from Asbro. All right. So, but Broder, here's one last thing I want to talk about before we, you know, wrap this one up for the evening. I want you guys to keep in mind. The RPG industry, the board game industry, the card game industry, all of them, they are incredibly resilient. Yes, this is a somewhat unique event. It is correct to say that we have never seen a disruption of our hobby quite in this manner or this scale. But I want you to remember that at its heart of hearts, especially if we're talking about the RPG side, this is not a hobby that's about products anyway. Yes, products are great. But you can sit down with one RPG book and play it until the day you die. If you don't own one, you can write one or find a free one online. Our hobby has shown an incredible resistance. One of the things I was talking about with somebody at Gamma was the fact that the gaming hobby, the tabletop gaming hobby, has a pretty predictable 10-year cycle where it booms and busts in almost exactly 10 years. And Guess where we are? We're right at the time for a 10-year bust. This is not the first bust that happened. What our hobby looks like may change, but our hobby is so decentralized. There are so many people that have the ability to write great games, to make great supplements for those games, to support those games, to talk about those games, to form communities around those games, And even if you can't do it face-to-face, you can still do it online. And I know that's not the first choice for a lot of people. It's not my first choice. But if you're at a year where you cannot go to any cons or you can't go to your FLGS and you don't have a local gaming group, you know, maybe getting on some tabletop simulator, Roll20, or whatever your poison is, that's the way to go. But I really want to reassure people in saying that it is possible some beloved retailers may disappear. It is possible some beloved titles may either disappear 
or be radically transformed. But... Right, or become so inexpensive that a huge conglomerate could assimilate them. <laughs> I'm trying to speak to the positive side here, <laughs> not probably correct conspiracy theories. But, <laughs> you know, our hobby, like I said, it may change. It's not going to disappear. No. You know, you don't have to leave your house to listen to Why We Game or Fear the Boot or Happy Jacks or gamers table or big 20 or any of the great shows that are out there you don't have to go anywhere to play an rpg online i'd hope you're not over 10 or 50 people or whatever playing with your own local group if you have one so yeah some things are going to change and expect a weird year if your group is more than six people including the game master you're a f***ing monster well we're going to talk about that actually in the next episode if you're the boot but if you are concerned about the future of this hobby in terms of does it still exist, it's going to be fine. I am, we I'm, have such a resilient hobby, such an innovative hobby, that it's going to be just fine. I am not concerned for a number of reasons. The chief reason that I am not concerned is that consumption is a constant. People need to consume, whether it's television any form of entertainment, food, what have you, people need to consume that thing. And the hobby that I love, storytelling, gaming, board gaming, toy soldiers, whatever, people will continue to desire and need to consume that thing. Right. Maybe the product will be different. Maybe the delivery system will be different. Maybe the popularity will be less. But we will continue to engage in this hobby and people will continue to make a living in this hobby it's just going to be different than it is today i think that's where we're going to kill this one off which is probably a bad phrase to choose next episode i think what i want to talk about we've got a couple ideas we're kicking around but one of the things i want to talk about is how you can accommodate a large group of players that are either local or online who have trouble meeting at the same time because I've been introduced some some ideas that I probably you, should have known you, about. You don't. No, no, no. No, you you have five or six players, and six is capacity. Six is when you're about to burst at the scene. Right, well, six players, that's when I start to look to cut somebody from the group, so be on your best f***ing behavior. Okay. Well, Broder, <laughs> you come here next week, and we're going to have this out. Once again, be sure to check the show notes for links to Broder's new podcast that he's putting together. Broder, once again, will also still be here on Fear of the Boot as a regular host and as part of the actual play. And with Fear of the Con, once again, it's being pushed off to 2021. Stay tuned because we are looking at trying to have some kind of an online gathering to fill the gap. And if I could do what I often do to you when I'm on the show is interrupt you at the end of the episode. Here's what I would like to say. If you could give Dan some friendly cajoling, Dan's got a couple of people who are working behind the scenes to get him off his ass to do some skies of glass stuff, maybe potentially some lookout radio stuff. Basically, Dan's inner circle is really trying to crawl up his ass and make him do work. And so if you could give Dan some sort of encouragement, some feedback, constructive criticism isn't welcome, but some positive vibes and some Dan, we need your product in our lives. He would really appreciate that. So thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great week of great games and we will catch you next time.
This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2020. Listeners are free to use this episode in a non-commercial endeavor, so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. If you wish to support this show and its related endeavors, you can do so at patreon.com slash feartheboot.